With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you so, so much for listening. This is our Roma review episode, and it's brought to you by Betstamp, the world's first verified buy-sell marketplace for sports betting picks. I'm joined by a guest to help me with this episode. He is a pundit for TV2 Sport in Denmark. Chris Kaiser, welcome back. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks again for all the, the great job that you're doing for us out here. We, um, I'm sure I'm talking on behalf of a lot of people that we're very happy that, that what you're doing for us here is like uh, linking up the fans with the club. So I'm very pleased to be back on and support your show. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's always, it's, I appreciate that feedback. It does help me uh, to continue to push forward because, you know, this is more a uh, passion project than anything. So I love to hear that. And I am very grateful to everyone who's uh, supported the show and listened. Let's start with just a very basic question. Obviously, as everyone knows, we won this match 1-0 on a brilliant goal from Victor Osimhen on a scale from happy to exhilarated <laughs> where are you after after this result look I, i'm the ultimate i was posting last night something about having a hard time sleeping because you know my pulse is like 200 it is completely strange to describe really because actually today it's actually a year ago we played in roma against roma and we drew nil nil and yesterday even though roma was coming up with the same game plan as they did last year we managed to turn it around and get the three points. It's a monumental victory that is gonna that's gonna help us so much to the forthcoming games for sure. So I'm I'm extremely delighted with the result and with the outcome and with the performance overall. I have to say that. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I know a lot of Napoli fans that I've been chatting with after the match said the same thing, where whenever we get one of these big wins, it's hard to calm yourself down. You're, you're kind of buzzing. <laughs> you're, you've got these jitters, this excitement, which is you know what we kind of all live for as football fans, right? As much as we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, you can't help but think what could be possible. We'll put it that way. You mentioned... Roma style and a similar approach that they used in that nil-nil draw from last season. I want to talk a little bit about that to start the show with just the contrast in styles from Mourinho's Roma to Spalletti's Napoli and even Spalletti's Napoli from this season compared to previous seasons. Mourinho lined up in a 3-5-2 and it seemed like the idea was basically to clog up the midfield, to take away the space, and I guess to frustrate Napoli Chris, for a long time, it looked like Mourinho's strategy was actually going to work. Yeah, you can say so. And I think, you know, he was struggling a little bit. He has been struggling a little bit with these games when he he obviously lost Wijnaldum early. I mean, he never really played in for Roma. And obviously, they didn't have Dybala in the game yesterday. So I was not surprised with how he lined up this way. And he... You know, his goal is to get into that top four to ensure that the Champions League money that they need so badly because they are they're going to have a hard time getting a, a green light from financial fair play. So I'm not surprised with how they they lined up here. And he was just going to park that bus and try to strike whenever we created a, a small mistake in our build up. So I was not surprised at all. I'm just happy that it turned out this way. And you could even see that when Victor, he scored, we'll get back to that later on, but when he scored 10 minutes before time, there were 10 minutes left, there was five minutes additional time, but they had no answer whatsoever. It is shocking and it's honestly disappointing to me that uh, such a great manager that like uh, Mourinho is not you know, having any answer whatsoever. And, and he, he really looks like a dinosaur to me, even though he's like four years younger than Spalletti. So, I mean, Spalletti has just managed to reinvent himself in so many fashions and so many styles and Mourinho this way is just disappointing me you have a full crowd of Olympico beautiful full crowd and then you you show up with this approach that you create zero shots on goal as far as I'm concerned so a massive disappointed by Roma but I'm just happy that we got the the small margins on our side which we um I think we deserve for sure yeah, the story about finishing in the top four is all too familiar to us as Napoli fans, right? Like, we've had those seasons where that was the objective. But you're right, considering their financial situation, I think that probably played into Mourinho's decision-making. And as you said, you know, not having Dybala. Yes, I mean, we also didn't have some key players, Rachmani and Gisa, but I think it's safe to say that Napoli are a deeper squad than Roma are. And certainly Dybala is a tough player to replace yeah, and then and then obviously they didn't want to be exposed in the back at all. So that's why they kept it so tight, especially uh, towards Khalasheria on the left side for us. Um, no question, they were they were standing in a low block. Not a big surprise, but they, just to ex- not to expose themselves. So it's a little bit of a damage control by Mourinho, and I'm just I'm just happy that I feel that the football won yesterday. That you know right. the one that that takes the initiative to win the games, ending up with the three points, and that's what delights me also in in this fashion yeah i'm gonna touch on that in just a second i just also wanted to point out i don't know if you saw this going back to the finances but the friedkins apparently are putting up 100 million euros of their own personal money or or the, the family's money towards paying off that debt that roma has they've 
delisted, I believe, from the stock exchange, and they're raising some more finances privately. I think another 175 million euros, so 275 million euros in total. On Roma style, there were a lot of things that I saw that were interesting. I think we saw them defending very aggressively. There were a lot of tackles that some that might have even been sort of borderline dirty tackles, nipping in, clipping players, and and trying to frustrate Napoli. We had the usual Mourinho sort of chirping at the officials all night and trying to maybe influence some of their decisions later in the match. I thought Roma's back three played really well, especially Chris Smalling. Even though he got beat on the goal by by Osiman, I thought he had a, a strong match. And we saw Roma sort of overloading players on Napoli's left wing. So as you said, where Cavada was, and they had Rick Karsdorp back to try to help out him and Mancini sort of collectively. And, and that forced us to play more on the right, which I think is why Lozano stood out a little bit more because he had a bit more freedom and space on that side of the pitch. The problem for Roma was that they seemed to be so focused, as you alluded to, on preventing Napoli from scoring that they created nothing in the attack. They, As you said, they didn't have a single shot on target. And it wasn't like the Roma we've seen so far this season where they haven't scored a lot of goals, but they've created a lot of chances. In this match, they just did not create any chances either. Their XG was something like 0.3, you know, so... It just shows that their focus was just on not losing. Exactly. And that's also something we're kind of familiar with as Napoli fans, you know, from some previous seasons, we've taken that exact approach. You know, I think back to the game against Inter, I, I think last season, where even as the home side, who's typically the club that you would expect to take the initiative, they're just sitting back and, and trying not to lose. And this is sort of one of the fundamentals of football, if you will, where if you focus too heavily on defending, then naturally you're going to suffer in the attack. You're not going to create a lot of chances. That's what we saw from Roma. On the flip side, if you focus too heavily on the attack, then you're probably going to be weaker at the back and you're going to concede more goals. And you can argue that Napoli sort of fall into that boat a little bit. Like we've conceded a bit more this season, not by much, but a bit more than, than we typically Atalanta is sort of the perfect case study for this, right? If you look back at Atalanta yeah. from previous seasons, they were hyper-aggressive in the attack, and they conceded a lot of goals, but they scored more, so it didn't matter. And, and now this season, they've kind of done that switch where now they've tightened up at the back and they're conceding very few goals, and as a result, they're also scoring very few goals. I mentioned sort of Napoli, how we used to play, like I said, Roma's play in this match was reminiscent of how we played against big teams in prior seasons. From a fan standpoint, that doesn't instill a ton of confidence that your club is going to compete for a title. That's not the style, though, that we're seeing from Napoli this season, Chris, in general and also in this match in particular. Well, I mean... I would say, Joe, that it's still very early in the season. And we also looked very good last year when we, you know, actually dropped our first points against Roma just a year ago from now. But I do believe that Spalletti is something that he's really working on, on that mental part. He's also had an additional year to work on the squad. These changes that have come in, you know, with, with Insignia leaving, etc., that, that he's able to shuffle the cards in the squad. And I'm, I'm sure that he touched down on, on the mental part and, probably said that, you know, we're going to go a little bit more for it now and risk more in order to win more. And it seems like, you know, it, it's paying off in a game like this yesterday. So 
So there's there's certainly something to it, but I, I still think it's a little bit early to say, but you're absolutely right. Last year, you mentioned the Inter game. I could also mention the Milan game at home, where you just want your team to go out there and, and hunt down the win. And then at times, you're shocked that you're wasting maybe the first 45 minutes, and then you just have 45 minutes left to, to secure those three points. And and I think that, that that hunger, that spirit that you have in the team where they, they try and hunt down those three points from the get-go, I think it's a massive plus. And it actually have given us a lot of great chances to sort of rest more in the game later on in, you know, let's say after an hour where you have been able to make some changes and you have been, let's just say, 3-0 up or something like that. You have been able to risk the team a little bit more, which has helped us a whole lot. If you look at Faraschelia again, in most of the first matches, he only got like 65 minutes or something, and then he got swapped. And that's just those those additional minutes that is going to help you a whole lot when you're talking about this extraordinary tight schedule that we have up until the World Cup because of you're literally playing just back-to-back games. And there's a whole lot of muscle injuries that, that comes up. And, and if, you, if you're not able to shuffle your, your squad because you, you need to hunt down the win, then you will bite you in the tail later on because some of your best players might be injured. So I'm happy to see that, that you know, this aggressive style that also where we have scored all these goals that we have, we've created so many chances and at the same time been able to look solid in the back. So it's really, really hard not to be positive at this point in time. And um, I'm just happy to see also how, how Spalletti looks to be so focused on trying to to maintain the focus in the squad on the sideline. He's been done a tremendous job from the sideline. And I'm just praying that, that we continue this way because the best defense is attacking. And I think that that's what we're doing at the moment. I'm, I'm very pleased. To your point about going ahead early, we've really seen that in the Champions League, especially where we've built these big leads in the first half. And then that gives us so much flexibility with the squad in, in the second half. So we're trying to win matches almost in the first half rather than in the second half. I was really happy to see that even as the visiting team, we were the protagonists right from the opening kickoff. And then Roma had a decent spell for about, say, half an hour in the first half. But Napoli just seemed to get better and better while Roma were getting more and more tired. We really started to increase the pressure, even though, (laughs) to your point a moment ago, in most matches we're trying to win in the first half. In this one, we really did win it in the second half. And that's where we got a lot of our best chances. We had that Lozano chance five minutes into the second half Juan Jesus had that chance that he just miscued on I mean probably the last person on the pitch that you want that <laughs> ball to fall to but <laughs> yeah that's true um there was a chance of course that Victor missed about 10 minutes before the goal and what I was most impressed with was the fact that even after we scored Napoli didn't back down we continued to attack and when you think back to that second meeting last season where we had the one goal lead. That one was a bit different because we scored a bit earlier in the match. It was like midway through the first half on the, a penalty kick. But as the match wore on, we started to drop deeper and defend more. And we ultimately conceded the equalizer to Stefan El Shirawi. In this match, we just kept pushing forward. And in those final 10 minutes of normal time and the five minutes of stoppage time, it seemed like if anyone was going to score, it was probably going to be Napoli, not Roma. Yeah. The other thing that was really interesting and drew a lot of attention and I want to get your thoughts on this was Spalletti substitutions. The first one he made was Elif Elmas for Tangi and Domble. I think it was around the 57th minute. 
were you surprised to see Ndombele come off so early in the match? No, not at all, Joe. There's several reasons for it because, you know, after all, it's still a tight game, you can say. And he was on, on a yellow card at that moment because he he made a, a stupid mistake where he tried to play smart and play a smart ball. And then he ended up coming late on a tackle and he conceded that yellow card. So when you are on, on a yellow card in that room of the area, it, it's natural that you're going to go off. And at the same time, even though I like to, to highlight the positive in the team overall, and there's been some small improvements overall within Dombali when you look back from the early beginning. And I'm sure that the team is still trying to bring back that game that he had when he played in the first period of Lyon some years back. So they're still hoping to find that in him. But for now, it still takes a little harder time for him to sort of um, win back that form and, and harder to find. So, so he was... Probably not the best player that we had yesterday. We're probably, to be honest, not the worst player we had on the pitch, to be honest. So I'm not surprised that he had to make that change. But also with Elmas coming in, you know, um, a fresh player that have not played much. And, and we know that that has the creativity to find the, the small gaps in the final third of uh, the opposition pitch. So, I mean, I'm not so surprised. I think it made perfect sense. And um you know, I would not have been surprised it would have happened already at halftime, to be honest. But I think it's fair to give him another, I think he got 10 minutes additional in, in the second half. So so not surprised at all. Yeah, it's funny that since Almas posted that post on Instagram, I feel like he's gotten more playing time. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if he got to Spalletti with that one. The substitution that caught everyone's attention came in the 75th minute. Spalletti made a double change. The obvious one that didn't surprise anyone was Politano for Lozano. That's pretty standard. But with Raspadori warming up seemingly since halftime, Spalletti surprised everyone and brought on Gianluca Gaetano to replace Piotr Zielinski. What did you make of that move and how Gaetano played? I think it was a very brave move. I love when a manager or um, club is showing that you, you have that brave style of play. First of all, I thought also he would have brought on uh, Raspador because he's been in great shape. And I think his work rate has been phenomenal, to be honest. Also defensively, whenever you know we, we have to chase down the ball. But I thought that just like I was not surprised that Oliveira started instead of uh, Mario Ruiz was because of, of Roma's strong uh, ability on, on set pieces. I think they were the, the team that scored the most goal on set pieces last season. So I think that bringing in Gaetano instead of Raspadori was probably also to defend those set pieces at times, even though you may say that they didn't get many, but they all knew that, that this is what they were trying to aim for, to get that free kick in our half and hopefully to bring people in the box or potentially getting a corner kick. So it could have been the reason for it, but I'm just happy that Gaetano, he stood up and did absolutely well. He forced forward his chest and prayed bravely. and. Um, and it just shows the character that we have in this squad and the depth that we have as well. It looks so promising. It, it's it's surprising to look back from you know what happened just five months ago when we were playing in uh, the final game. I was at the final game of the last season against Genoa at home. You know when we had <laughs> Mertens, Insigne, Koulibaly, Gulam, Ospina, and then like we lost so many players. But now you know new players have come in, and we actually looks like we have even more depth in our squad and Gaetano is just the next man in line and I'm I'm also thrilled that a manager in Italy is having the courage to bring on younger players because 
if you look at the national team of Italy, you can actually argue that that's one of the reasons why Italian football is suffering as well, because there's so much pressure on these managers. They have to perform week in, week out, and they're having a hard time bringing on these younger players. You see maybe a little bit in, um, in Atalanta with Scaldini, for instance, but there's not much space for these younger players. And that's why I'm so thrilled and happy that you're bringing him on at this time of the game, nil-nil against Roma, away from home, a full Olimpico, maximum pressure, and you're still bringing on. That shows a lot of trust that you have in your players. And that is the trust that is going to pay you back in the longer run. And uh, I'm sure that Gaetano, he slept perfectly well last night. And um, I'm also confident that we could even see him in um, the Rangers game here during the midweek. It was definitely a brave decision from Spalletti because had it not worked out, had we not gotten that goal, then I think a lot of questions would have been asked about why he didn't bring in Raspadori or Simeone, though maybe he would have had we not scored. So who knows? I completely agree with your point on playing a young player and, and how uncommon that is in Italy, but Spalletti has shown a willingness to do it. Like even with Zerbin, he played him in a big match against Milan even though it didn't go so well, you know, those, I can't remember who I saw it mentioned this on social media, but that's worth like four or five times the experience of a normal match to come into that high pressure, high intensity situation. So it's great for player development and Gaetano played well. To me, he looked a little bit like Zielinski in terms of his playing style. I thought he was very calm. Like he seemed very comfortable on the pitch. You know, he was involved in in the buildup to the goal where Oliveira cleared the ball out, Roma won a header, and he just played like a little head fake, let the ball bounce, took it down, and that's how we regained possession of the ball. And then we kind of worked it around to Politano on, on the right side, and that's what led to the goal. And then he had a couple of nice little moments. You know, in the 85th minute, he had a, a quick exchange of passes with Oliveira at midfield, and then he sprung Cavada on the wing. There was another play where he carried the ball through the midfield and then slowed it down and played it out wide to Politano. So he did a, a lot of nice little things. He, he looked very mature for his age. Do bear in mind that he's also playing on that part of the pitch, you know, where there's there's a lot of players in there. There's not much space, not much room. And just like you said, Joe, he was extremely calm on the ball and it, he's going to grow massively from this. And we've just seen the beginning of his career for sure. You mentioned Mario Rui and Oliveira. I'm a little bit on the fence. Like I do agree completely with what you're saying in terms of defending set pieces. I just wonder, though, if that might have contributed to Cavada's struggles in this match had he had Mario Rui supporting him. I think they might have slightly better chemistry attacking-wise. Defensively, it makes perfect sense to get that height in there. And Oliveira had a couple of moments where he kind of was late on the pass or he missed past the ball. He got the yellow card. But at the same time, he made two big headed clearances in that final stage of the match. So I'm a little bit on the fence there. I, I also would have liked to see Mario Rui out there just to stick up for Cavada a little bit and throw in some crazy eyes because uh, yeah. Roma were taking every opportunity to hack Cavada on that side. Yeah, but I completely agree. I just I just say that I understand Spalletti's point of view, that the tactic he put behind it. But when you see how the, the game developed, I mean, they only got a few corner kicks not many set pieces in dangerous areas. 
after all, you should maybe have started Mario Rui in this game because I completely agree with you with those relations that he created with Claudio on the left side. And um, Oliveira, unfortunately, did make some mistakes defensively. And I don't think he, he had a phenomenal game at all. So like other people are saying, I think it was just an average game from him. And I could easily have seen Mario Rui coming on yeah, at some point. But I understand the thought behind of Spalletti of bringing him from the start. But looking back in hindsight, I would probably have started Mario Rui, to be honest. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, the logic made perfect sense. It's easy for us talking about it on a Monday <laughs> to <laughs> see what should have been done. But... You know, fortunately, it worked out. One final comment I'll make on the substitutions is that sometimes the most important substitution is the one that you don't make. And Spalletti very easily could have taken out Victor Osiman With Raspadori warming up, my thinking, and I tweeted this as well, was that he'd probably replace Osiman with Raspadori, say, around the 70th minute. Then if we still need to score take out Zielinski, drop Raspadori into the 10 and put Simeone on, get more attacking players on the pitch in a, maybe a 4-2-3-1. Maybe it was because Osiman had that chance in the 70th minute that Spalletti changed his mind. I don't know, but obviously it turned out to be the right decision to leave Osiman on the pitch. I'm going to tell you to hold your thoughts on, on that comment. We'll talk about that in part two, and we'll also talk about some other key moments in the match as well as some other individual performances. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Betstamp. With the Betstamp app, you can compare betting lines across multiple different platforms in your region, which is the only way to get an edge in online sports betting. You can also buy and sell picks from verified accounts. And best of all, the app is free. There are no fees, no royalties, and no commissions. Just download the BetStamp app and use referral code NAPOLI when you create your account. All right, so let's talk about some of those key moments in the match. Before we even get to that goal, I just want to get your thoughts quickly on the penalty kick that was awarded in the 38th minute, and then it was ruled out by the VAR. Do you think the officiating crew got that decision correct? Yes, I think so. I mean, at first, I didn't even saw it as a penalty, to be honest. I think Giratti, he was a, a little bit too quick to call a, the penalty. And, and you can see that Rui Patricio is getting his hands on the ball first. He's trying to aim for the ball and not the man. So, And I also think that Ndombele is sort of searching the penalty a little bit. So I think they got it absolutely right by turning it over. Obviously, my <laughs> my heart was was right up in, in my head. So for sure, it, it was one of those moments where you would hope that we would got one nil up because it would have opened up the game even more and and forced Roma to be even more exposed. So I would have a hope for that because we could have demolished them totally. I think after that, but I think they got it right by overturning it. So no penalty in my opinion. I agree. My my live experience was different. Like I thought it was one of those plays where the attacking player 
gets there just before the keeper and then they collide and you have to give the penalty. Dries Mertens was the best at winning that type of penalty (laughs) where it's like he knows he's just trying to get a touch on the ball to get it away from the keeper and draw the foul. But yeah, it was pretty clear to me on the replay when VAR was looking at it that Patricio definitely got his hand on the ball. He even looked like he tried to move out of the way to ensure that he didn't foul and just because there's contact doesn't mean there's a foul there. They bump into each other. He goes down. At the same time, I don't think it was a yellow card like Mourinho was asking for. I mean, again, players trip over <laughs> each other sometimes. It's not always a yellow. But yeah, I think the officiating crew definitely got that decision right. The other big moment, of course, was the goal from Victor Osiman. Chris, how great was that shot from Victor? Well, there was actually a key moment prior to that, Joe, because the key moment was actually that Chris Smalling got a yellow card early on. And I think that when you also mentioned in the first part about maybe potentially substituting Osimhen early on, I thought that he was fundamental in our build-up because with Roma standing so low in the block with such a massive centre midfield, it was hard for uh, Lobotka, for instance, to get on the ball and create things from there on and set the game. So that forced us to make the slightly longer ball from defense all the way up to Yossiman, who who went deep in the pitch in order to make a flick on or whatever it is. So I, it made perfect sense to me to keep him on the pitch because he was constantly a threat behind the, the back line of Roma. And that's what you saw here. And I think that they also did very well, Roma, to sort of trying to bring him on, on the right-hand side because they knew that on the right-hand side, it would be harder for him to finish which is the reason why he missed that first great opportunity he had at the 70 minutes that you mentioned early on. But with Smalling being on that yellow card, that is where you could see the difference, really, because he couldn't do anything. He was hesitating that slightly moment. And there's one thing you don't do against Osiman that is hesitating because he's gone. And then finishing from zero degrees, it brought me back to um, Marco van Basten in 1988 when he when he scored against the Soviet Union in um, in the European Championship in actually also at an Olympic stadium that was in Munich that then this was <laughs> another Olympic stadium but in Rome obviously so outrageous finish that I you know I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it and I think you know it, it's fair to say it's probably the best goal Osman ever made in his career I can't really come up with much that is better to be honest a phenomenal great finish and he deserved it all the way and the way he you could also see how much it meant to him, like going out to the crowd and cheer with them. And, and it was just a delightful moment that you just, you know, as a Napoli fan, you just, yeah, you couldn't control yourself and your happiness is just all over the moon. So um, a perfect finish from uh, that finish up a, a perfect evening. And with Osman, who has been through so many injuries and finally get a start. And now with three goals in a row now in, in three matches, like he's just flying. And I think, it's also great to see him scoring against, you can say, the bigger sides, which is something that that some people have criticized him for a little bit. And now, you know, he's able to shut the mouse on these people by making this exercise and, and scoring this phenomenal goal. So um, there's only positive to say from this and, and what a finish, really. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I wouldn't quite put it up there with Van Basten's because that was a volley. (laughs) (laughs) That was a volley. But it was that same sort of trajectory to that far post. And I mean, he still kind of hit it on the volley. And sometimes hitting it while you're running is also very difficult. Um, 
But yeah, it was more I the mean, degrees. It was more the degrees that yeah. you know. It was from zero degrees. That's what I meant. But yeah, of course, yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah, fantastic yeah. goal was a perfect volley from Vandenberg. I think we assisted him back then. But yeah, that, it's a different goal. But I was more referring to the the, uh, angle. the, the, the tight angle. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned um, Smalling being on a yellow card. It was also Osiman who drew that yellow card on Smalling in the first half, making one of those plays that you were just talking about where he's dropping deep to be more involved in the buildup, which to me, I think we have to attribute that to Spalletti because we saw Raspadori doing that quite a bit as well. So they're really executing in live matches what they're working on on the training ground, I think. The other thing is that the staff and Spalletti gave him a bit of extra time to make sure that he was fully recovered from that muscle injury. And I think that's why he's had such a quick start since coming back from the injury because they didn't have to rush him back. And of course that's a lot of that has to do with the fact that Raspadori and Simeone were still contributing and we didn't need to rush him back. But I think that factors into it. One thing that Spalletti said after the match, which I completely agree with is that Osimen also gives you height when you're defending and just moments before the goal, Roma had a free kick in a very dangerous area and it was actually Osiman that headed the ball out. And then, you know, the the ball kind of bounced back and forth a little bit. Oliveira tried to shepherd it out for a goal kick. It's kept in play. He plays it long. Eventually it comes to Gaetano, who makes that play that I mentioned earlier. We control the ball. We spin it around to Politano. Another play we see often in matches that they're definitely working on in the training ground is that quick long ball from the wing where... Politano didn't even hesitate right away. He sends Victor on that long ball, knowing that we just have to put that ball up there and trust that Victor is good enough to win in that one V one situation. You know, one thing I've talked about a few times on the show previously in previous seasons is that Victor needs to build some more muscle because he tends to get bullied by some of the bigger defenders in the league. And that perhaps that's the reason why he doesn't score as often against the bigger clubs he doesn't look like he's gained muscle, but he might have gained strength because, and to your point again, with Smalling on a yellow card, he had to be careful, but he did well, first of all, just to out-muscle Smalling to get to that ball to create that chance. And, you know, I thought Patrick Hendrick described it perfectly on the English World Feed, which was that, one, the finish was simply world-class. I mean, you cannot deny that. And the other was that it was nothing more than a half chance that he made into much more than that. And he didn't even look up. He was looking down. He knew exactly where the goal was and the finish had precision. It had power and it had finesse. Chris, any final thoughts on this match before I quickly get your thoughts on the Rangers match coming up this week? Well, I think I was happy to see that Merritt got like, you can say an, an sort of easy day in the office because he made that little blunder against Bologna last weekend. And I was a little bit nervous that going into this game, like how is he going to react to this overall? And I think that with the outcome of this game and how it all turned out, I was happy to see that there was there was nothing at all that you could point on him and his performance whatsoever. Uh, not that he had much to do, really. Like we mentioned early on, there was no shots on target. I'm just very pleased and happy that, you know, he got away this way and from there on probably just shook off that performance against Bologna very easily and moved on. So I think that that was very, very positive. And then I'm just saying that even if Roma was trying to move a little bit forward, you know, we know that we will be able to threat them in the back. And that is just, we have so much 
diversity, so many uh, different ways of exposing our opponent. And that, that shows our quality in, in the squad, once again, against a big team like Roma. So I'm, I'm extraordinarily pleased. And um, there's the, yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to keep myself calm, but <laughs> but it is a little bit difficult with how things are, are going so far. So that's all for now. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think had Medet made another blunder in this match, then who knows what ends up happening with him psychologically with the team. And what better way to uh, to get a clean sheet than with no shots on target, right? That's the perfect way to demonstrate that clean sheets are not just earned by the goalkeeper. They're earned by the defense as well. Kim was absolutely a beast once again. He's now, in my opinion, well, there's a long way to go, but if he continues to play this way, then I think he'll be in the running for Defender of the Year because you look around the league, and I don't know if any central defenders are playing at the level he's playing at at the moment. And then also the way that our midfielders are tracking back to help defend as well. Roma's probably their best chance, I guess. It's hard to say, but one of their biggest moments in the match was when Meret intercepted a pass and the ball landed on Pellegrini's foot and he laid it off to Kamara at the edge of the area. And right before he was going to shoot, Zielinski slid in and cleared the danger, right? And actually started a counterattack at the <laughs> one moment. So, so yeah, the defending was was really key in this match. Let's move on to the Rangers match uh, just very quickly because I'm not going to have time to get a preview pod in before then. This crazy schedule is hard for us podcasters too, by the way. (laughs) 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 But, uh, you know, I'm just curious to know um, just what your expectations are in terms of how we approach this match, maybe in terms of the lineup, given where we are in our group and Victor playing the full 90 minutes against Roma here. Well, first of all, you know, you, you have to say that actually it was so great that we have won the first four games because that actually allow us to bring in a, a full strength for this game against Roma. Because if we were on the brink of something like a, a going out or whatever it is of the Champions League, you might have considered maybe making a, some, a different approach for the Roma game. So even that had a, a massive impact on uh, that we already are through to the next round of the knockout phase. So there's no question that... Um, we're going to have a, a free game, so to speak, in the midweek against Rangers. And I'm expecting, obviously, a lot of changes that comes up for this game. However, you still have to say there's a lot of uh, coefficient points that is at stake here. Like, it's important to get those points for for higher rank in the future. There's also a lot of money involved when you win. There's a lot of prize money in this. So, obviously, you have to go for it. And the way Rangers are playing and how exposed they are and how defensively they're struggling... I'm sure that we're going to see a, a hungry team that is going to be there. And hopefully with some Raspadori, with Simeone coming in again, with maybe Gaetano, as we talked about, probably Ustigo, uh, uh, as he actually is called, <laughs> coming in as well. So I'm, I'm sure that there will be a lot of changes here. And, and this just suits us perfectly. So we are all fit for uh, Sassuolo next weekend. So it's going to be an, a game where you can play freely. And, and I'm, is there something that you want as a football player nowadays in, in a world where there's so much pressure that is on your shoulder? You, wanna, you would prefer a free game where you can just you know, release the pressure and just go out there and do what you like the most and just, just play football freely. And I think that's what we're going to see. And, and like I said, some, some hungry players who are just going to 
do whatever they can to fight their way into the starting eleven, and then again, you know, you will have people with maybe Osimhen with a slightly, um, still like a little bit on recovery. You can say like you will be able to, uh, to, we will be able to spare him here, and and he will be fully fit for Sasswala both physically but mentally at most of all. So it's the perfect situation to be in, uh, unlike uh, for instance AC Milan or Inter for that matter. Absolutely, I think the only barrier with Osimhen is Osimhen himself because you know he wants to play as much as he can in the Champions League and score in the Champions League. So hopefully Spalletti can convince him to rest up now. As you said, he's still you don't want to play him too much after just coming back from a muscle injury, especially, you know, we got a big game against us. Well, they're always a tricky side for us. So we want to make sure he's fit and ready to play, like you said, psychologically and physically for that match. You have guys who are rested. And and I trust in Spalletti on this one because that was the reason why he didn't rush Angisa back either because he said it wouldn't be fair to the guys who are fit and ready to play to not play them. So now you play Raspadori, probably replace him with Simeone. There is one other big reason why it'd be great to get a win here because if we win the group, then you know we have a better matchup in the next round. We wouldn't necessarily guarantee that we win the group if we win this match. We still have... Liverpool to worry about in the return leg at Anfield. Who knows? Maybe Liverpool will drop points to Ajax, and then we could potentially win the group in in this match. But if not, we still have to go to Anfield and at least not lose by I think three goals. So there's there's still motivation to win this match, but I think we can win the match while still rotating players. Sure, Chris. That's all we have time for today. But as always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. The pleasure is all my Joe, and um, it's always great talking football with you. And I'm always happy that there's always a, a very good tone in your program. It's what we need nowadays in, in this world where people call themselves A, B, or C bad things on Twitter, on, on Instagram, and whatever. So I'm just pleased that there's actually a, a show where the tone is, is always very good. So uh, it's always a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure, honestly. So you can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kaiser Dios. That's the Maradona style Dios with a 10 in there. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti five. And you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon at Forza Napoli pod. As I said, I won't have a preview pod for the Rangers match, but we will have our usual preview up at ForzaNapoliPress.com. And I will be back after the Rangers match to review that match with a guest that you're all familiar with, but I'll leave you in suspense a little bit. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.